This is a wee bit of everything. The podcast that explores all things sport and teaching. Hello there and welcome to the A Wee Bit of Everything podcast with your hosts Lewis and Clark. Thanks for coming back to tune in to this week's episode. We really are amazed by all the support we have received from everyone so far. Our partner of the podcast is Premiership Experience who have played a big role in helping us develop. Premiership Experience offer fantastic sports tours within the UK and abroad so be sure to check them out on Twitter at Prem Experience. This is a professional learning platform where we get ideas and insights from like-minded professionals. Our vision is to inspire, to teach and to entertain. So let's get started with this week's episode of A Wee Bit of Everything. Welcome back to this week's episode of A Wee Bit of Everything. We're on number 67 now. I can't believe it. the, The episodes are... Um, racking up. This week we're, we're joined by Andy Fleming who's the National Coaching and Club Manager at Volleyball Scotland. As a coach he has developed junior programmes and worked with men and women's programmes in the National League in Scotland. Andy also spent some time developing his coaching skills in the USA working in the summer at various colleges and universi- universities looking to develop volleyball performance in those uh, areas. We're going to hear a wee bit about um, how he would structure a volleyball block f- uh, with S1 to S3 in a BGE class. And actually, we're actually going to touch on something that he's been doing in lockdown, which is a new TV show. So stay tuned to listen to that part at the end, where he's been having conversations with various, various experienced volleyball coaches and players. So without further ado, we'll welcome Andy onto the show. Andy, welcome to a wee bit of everything. How are you doing? Bashing, thanks for having me, Clark and Lewis. No, it's great to have you on um, after being in touch over the last few weeks, so it's good to finally get you on uh, the show. So thanks for joining us um, tonight uh, to share your knowledge and experience of the work you've been doing uh, over the over the years in volleyball. So we can't wait to get going. But before we get into the volleyball side of it and kind of how you would structure a block of volleyball, would you be able to give us and the listeners a little background information on your career to date? A little bit. Uh, yeah, so, man, volleyball-wise, I started playing at Wood Farm High School. I like McVeigh was my PE teacher back in the day. Um, he was two things. He was very, very good at uh, his football teams and very, very good at his volleyball teams. And he was even better at identifying when somebody wasn't very good at football and was very, very good at volleyball, and that was the biggest thing that he, uh, he did for me. Um, from yeah, I, was that, on, I was on placement there at Wood Farm, and he was the top man, really helped me a lot well, as well. You better go, then. Aye, it was brilliant. With, that's for sure. He is a, an amazing, charismatic uh, PE teacher. Uh, he's inspired a lot of folk from... Yeah. From over the years to be involved with in sport and physical activity. So, big shout out to Alec McVeigh. No, big shout out to Alec McVeigh. He used to invite me along to the, sh- the shop tennis. On a, on uh, listen, if there, was, if there was anything going, Clark, fitness wise, uh, bet your bottom dollar he was there or thereabouts. So, um, uh, he, he used to run on a Thursday lunchtime and a, th- a Friday lunchtime and a Friday after school volleyball wood farm and you would have easy 150 kids 
he'd have the games hall going on three courts, he'd have the assembly hall going on a court in each of the wee small gyms with like makeshift nets, like the whole place on a Friday night. And that was from back in the day, it was like three o'clock until six o'clock. Yep. And he got, he got us into that and uh, I was quite lucky at the time, Surigatsi Volleyball Club trained in Wood Farm High School at seven o'clock and I stayed literally a stone's throw away. So I would finish with them, run up the road, get my dinner and then run back down to school on a Friday night and stay from seven till ten playing club volleyball with Surigatsi. Uh, and then that that led me to joining the club. Um, Surigatsi at the time trained four nights a week. Monday, Wednesday, Monday, Wednesday, no, Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, games on Saturday. And when you get into that level of training, it's not long before Tommy Downs, who was the, the coach, who was also a PE teacher at Sean's Academy. He was a national team coach and he invited us along to national team sessions, which meant you were then doing volleyball all day Sunday. So from a fortunate conversation with Alex McVeigh, I discovered club volleyball and then it just spiralled into every part of my life. Um, from I, from there, from within a year, I was playing with the second, uh, the third team, uh, into the second team, into just Scottish junior national teams, into Great Britain junior national teams, and uh, that was me with that program right the way up until I retired thirties from the national team, and then I stopped playing club and competitive volleyball at uh, what we now forty. Aye, so I brought four years, five years ago. Right. Because when I had kids. And then, seeing you were playing, did you have a particular position in the court that you were strong? Oh, well, you know me, I'm not that, not that tall. I'm not blessed with the, uh, the 19 foot of height that you need for volleyball. But um, in my younger days, I was a setter, and uh, I played in, in the setting position for the national team. Um, and then as I got a little bit older, I'd spent a little bit of time learning how to play the libero position. And I, again, I spent some time in the national team in the libero position with club. Um, I was fortunate enough that I was able to play any position. So right. depending on who we signed, then I was able to move around the move around position and, and stay with that. So I, I moved from Surigatsi around about 20... 20 years old to the, the club that I stayed with for 25 years, uh, which was Glasgow Mets. And there was a whole bunch of guys, a couple of guys that left from Surigatsi and then a whole bunch of guys from that club that are, were now best mates. You know, we've had you know, weddings, funerals, babies, you name it. It's It's been through thick and thin with these guys. And that's that's one of the main reasons I still play. And I've, I've been involved with volleyball for that length of time mm -hmm. is because the friendships that you, that you make with the sport. It's, you know, people talk about sport for life. This has definitely been the sport for life for me. Um, it's, it's given me opportunities. So I left, went to college, did the old coach education part, uh, um, Scottish volleyball, went to college, did HNC, HND, eventually ended up working for Glasgow City Council as a sports coach. They put me on a coaching apprenticeship, which saw me go to America. They had a, a, a connection with a world, world Volleyball Training Centre in upstate New York. 
which was a five-week camp in, in the Catskill Mountains. So 21 years old, off I went, five weeks. Yep. Most amazing experience ever. Um, the richest learning environment I think I've been in in my whole entire life. We had Olympians, we had professional players, we had people who didn't even speak English, but the, the way that they taught the game, the way that they communicated through the, the, the sport was just uh, unbelievable. So um, I think I spent uh, the next seven years going out every summer and uh, I met a good mate of mine, Steve Florio, who lived in Long Island. And what we eventually ended up doing was we ended up going and working in the college sector. So it's like an even higher, a higher step up than that. And we worked about six or seven camps. And when you move, move around uh, through the college sector, you make a lot more money. So I was making quite a bit of money during the summer and that financed uh, pretty much my whole year. So for every, every three months I spent out in the States, I was bringing back enough money that I could that's a life at there, I'm sure. That must have been ex- excellent. Money was incredible. It was like, you know, you did, uh, they, were, you know, they were reimbursing your flight at every college you went to. So I was getting a flight every time I, I just I landed and then they were paying you a weekly salary. Um, and then, you know, parents are, parents are mad. They want their kids to go get a scholarship. So I was picking up private sessions and, you know, group group bookings for like a thousand, two thousand dollars for a couple of hours. It was madness. Yeah. I like you know dads who just had the checkbook and said, "Just say one to ten, stop." <laughs> but literally crazy. Um, I did that for a fair few years. Um, came back, decided it was time to go do the honourable thing and get a degree. So I got a degree and then. Uh, a real job beckoned, uh, so I ended up with, uh, got a got a job with Active Schools in South Lanarkshire. Um, did that for nine wonderful years. South Lanarkshire is a great place to work, um, and Active Schools is a great job. Um, really, really lots of good people in it. Um, but the dream job came up about this is now nearly seven years ago. Uh, Scottish volleyball put on an advert for our regional development posts, two regional development posts, um, loads of applicants from it, and they applied. Wasn't sure if I'd get it, but lo and behold, um, got the West Region post, and that was it. You got the dream job. I uh, managed to turn in my hobby and passion and my livelihood. Um, with some negotiation with the wife, I have to say. It was, uh, <laughs> Wasn't it straightforward? Not all glor- glorious and glamour, that's for sure. Um, there was a bit of, bit of discussion in around it because it's one thing working your, doing your hobby to actually working it. Uh, there's obviously fine margins about when you need to stop, um, which I've learned. <laughs> <laughs> Just try to manage a word. Yelled at a few times, but hey-ho. And uh, just recently, just before COVID, um, the, the coaching and club managers post came available at Scottish Volleyball and I applied for that so it was a small internal promotion which also we managed to backfill the regional development post and hold on to that so um, enjoying working with Scottish Volleyball it's great I get to do what I really love and I get to go out there and uh, 
add value to what we're doing within the national picture. So that's kind of where I've been. Club-wise, biggest biggest claim to fame was I won the Scottish Cup um, with my team after breaking my wrist in the first eight points. You just kept playing? Yep, stupidly. Ended up with surgery, but... How did you break your wrist? Did you fall on it? Yeah, I was playing Libro, ran across the court, made a pass, fell backwards, broke in scaphoid and loony in one move. Um, one of those ones, uh, I got into the timeout and one of my more colourful teammates just said, buck up or get off. <laughs> uh, not so nice language. And, you know, after 17 years of waiting for a trophy, you couldn't have dragged me off. Um, so, I uh, we won it. it, was, it was what a story that is then, running about a broken wrist. Running about a broken wrist, and if you know anything about volleyball, playing Libro, you have to pass the hard, hard driven jump serves, you have to volley the hard driven float serves. It's not comfortable, <laughs> it's not good. <laughs> not something you can do with one horn anyway. Yeah, certainly, certainly <laughs> not, but uh, aye, that story made the Herald. I can't imagine why. All good stuff then. Um, I when I was asking you asking you about your position was I wasn't saying that um, you weren't the taller that but I wasn't sure if you're I wasn't sure if the power, the power in those legs made up for the lack of height. Back in the day, Clark, we would have back in the day when I was uh, <laughs> athlete support and all the rest of it when I took it a lot more seriously. But um, as the age gets on, I start to use other skill sets that I that I've acquired over the years. You get you get experienced in it, I suppose. Yeah, like there's there's a few. Many folk will tell you different things about playing against me. Most of them will say they hated it. Well, well, that's good. Good, uh, good feedback for you. Right, <laughs> right. So, um, moving on to the kind of teaching and learning side, um, which a lot of your listeners will be tuning in for. Yeah. How would how would you go about structuring a volleyball block if you were uh, teaching it to an S one S one class, for example? S one, uh, I, I tell you what, Clark. This is Lewis. This is where I, you know, I, I'm pretty pretty clear on it is uh, there's a couple of things that we always do from Scottish volleyball point of view and I always do from uh, any any teaching that I do there's three things that you need inside your lesson you need movement you need thinking and you need cooperation and if you can get all three of those elements inside your session inside your 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 hour of teaching your 55 minute class whatever Whatever environment you've got, if you can make sure you've got those three elements covered inside it, it doesn't matter what you do with it, it, it will do the trick. Um, getting them to move is absolutely vital. One of the bugbears you'll find and people say, oh, volleyball's dead hard because I stick them on the court and they go in their wee spot and they don't move. That's one of the things we do early doors. We make sure that they always move so that they're prepared for the actual game. I win the game by putting the ball where you're not. That's that's straightforward. If you're over there in the corner, I'm putting it at the opposite side of the court away because if you don't move to get that ball, I'm going to win. So the way that you guys, the way that teachers, the way that coaches get every element from the very basics of introducing a skill is that they have to move. Like Don't let them stand still. Don't let them grow roots. Don't let them just go and gravitate to their friends. Make them move. So... That can be very, very straightforward. Individual drills, find somebody else, exchange balls, and then go back to what you're doing. Just little individual practices where you have to get them in that, in that pattern of, okay, um, 
volley the ball, run three steps away, and then get back to your ball and try and get on it before it gets too low. So you can make them do different practices, but get them to move. Thinking, thinking is always key. Where, where do I need to move to? Is the ball in front of me? Is it behind me? Do I have space to go behind? Do I have space to go in front? Can I do drills that force and develop my thinking? So, you know, some of the some of the stuff that we've developed through through our uh, coach education practices, like two ball practice, um, keep one ball moving, and then a second one gets thrown in, and you need to correct the timing of the one on the top to get the one that's been thrown at you, get rid of it, and then keep it going. So, there's practices and examples of how you can integrate multiple balls or multiple pieces of equipment. Is that just in pairs like that one that you were just talking about? In pairs, it can be in threes. It can be in fives. It doesn't matter. Um, one of the things that we've, not, we've been working with is a guy from Belgium, a guy called Christophe Delos, and he uses balloons and beach balls and volleyballs, and he, he uses them because they're different, different weights, different... Uh, different sizes and you use your volleyball to play that play against the beach ball so the beach ball would throw it up there my partner would throw the beach ball up there I would wait with the volleyball and then I'd volley the volleyball into the beach ball my partner would then catch the volleyball and then try and volley the volleyball into the fallen beach ball and keep it up so you're always constantly trying to use your ball to keep the beach ball up in the air the thinking and then when you go into paired group activity like that you automatically get cooperation which is an absolute must when you start to develop team games mm. and I cooperate with you because as we know with volleyball it's sequential once I've taken my first touch I can't touch it again until my teammate does that mm. if my teammate's not conditioned to move if my teammate isn't conditioned to think then we're going to have real big problems in terms of cooperation and keeping the ball alive so in terms of my, my S1, I would have lots and lots of movement, thinking, and cooperation in, in that practice. And that theme will continue the whole way through education. So I, I see that you've got here on the, the list of questions, S1 to S3. The, the movement, thinking, cooperation theme will stay through their volleyball journey, through their volleyball life. Just the complexity of the practices that I'll develop and use will change. And would you do that through? Sorry, sorry, sorry would you do that through like individual practices, then partner and group, or would you put them straight in a group? Or how would you? Individual practices, pair practices, uh, groups of three. I would. I'd vary it. I vary it a lot. Give it lots of variables. One of the things that, I mean, well, you guys will tell me. Obviously, being teachers. When I go into a class, if I was to take over your class, you probably would be sitting on the sideline going, oh my goodness, this is absolute carnage because I work from inside chaos. So where some people like to have their class regimented, this is my session plan, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this. I will go in and I will just whip them up into a frenzy. I'll get them excited about what's going on. There'll be volleyballs pinging everywhere. Some of it will look great. Some of it will look absolutely ugly but I guarantee you the more we spend doing that the the easier it is to refine and you'll engage with wee Jimmy the superstar and uh, wee Peter who is shy and retired at the exact same level by engaging them in this matter 
just go out, explore. I tend not to do too much technical stuff first. I don't talk to them about a lot of technique. I don't tell them about elbow position and knee bend and all that. I let them discover the answers. I let them go out and show me what they do. And then through some visual cues, some keywords, we start to refine and build that up over the process. So things like, um, you know, you, you try to get them to bend their knees. You try to get them to think about being on a trampoline. So you start to build that rhythmic picture of touching the ball. And then as we get better, we can refine about, you know, hand position and the technicalities of it. But we tend not to do that right at the start. We try to make things as much fun and engagement as possible, as much ball contact as possible. Um, and we've got we've got examples on that on the Scottish Volleyball website. Um, we've videoed CPD clinics we did with Christoph. We had teachers at a, a Scottish Cup um, game uh, at the Kelvin Hall. We just said, for the next hour, you're going to leave your teams over lunch. And you're going to come and work with this guy who's an absolute legend. And we had teachers, you know, playing with a plane, just keep you up in a balloon. But every time he touched it, he had to go down through his partner's legs, high five him. His partner had to touch the balloon up, down through his partner's legs. Touch the I knew all this, just all this movement thinking, um, two balloons is a great one. Uh, I have to contact two balloons, tap, tap. Then you have to contact two balloons, tap, tap. I have to contact two balloons, tap, tap. And then what we're constantly doing is we're looking at the priority of which balloon needs tapped first. The lower they get, the more pressure you're under. So the choices you make can work on the decision-making. And again, we've got videos that can that can easily highlight this for teachers. It's very difficult to get this out of. Yep, yep. Call it. Uh -huh. um, sure. <clears throat> in terms of skills, um, I tend to start off introduction volley pass overhead pass you get more control out of that you also depending on schools and equipment if uh, you I spend as little time on think pass initial stages unless it's just an emergency technique um, other thing as well is like variation so sometimes I'll add in a throw sometimes I'll add in a bounce sometimes I'll add in a catch and I'll take them out and put them in at various stages of the game. Mm -hmm. So uh, if, I, if I went to a simple 1v1, I would say, right, okay, there's one throw, there's one catch. You can put it in at any stage you want. So the choice mm -hmm. is up there. That's good. I, I guess, I, that's something that I do quite a lot as well in terms of, I'll say like, okay, try and use your three touches however you're allowed to use. One of those touches can be a catch. But I like, I like the idea of saying, right, you're only allowed one catch within this rally. Both teams are allowed one catch within the rally. I suppose that keeps it alive just that wee bit longer. But, there's, a great, there's a great video that uh, Volleyball Canada have put on. And uh, again, it's, it's big in Europe. It's called Smashball. And it gives you a developmental stage for uh, introduction of the three-touch sequence in volleyball. Um, with the primary focus is spiking. So the only thing that's uh, the only thing that they really focus on in this is spiking. And uh, it, it takes you through a stage of right, okay, it's like I throw the ball up, I spike it over the net, you catch it, you run to the net, you spike it. The ball can have one bounce inside the court, and uh, you, you play on. Then you introduce two or three people inside your court. If I spike it over the net 
if I catch it, I have to throw it to Clark. Clark has to throw it to me, and then I have to spike it live. So the spike is the live touch. Everyone else's throws. Then you can refine it to one catch, then a live volley and a spike, one one dig, one catch and a spike, and then eventually till you've got pass set spike. Now the pass set spike you can add in a bounce before that, so the ball can bounce one time before you pass it, set it, spike it. It's a lovely little video. It's very well narrated. It's beautifully put together on uh, Volleyball Canada. And it, it's just another idea of how uh, how teachers can integrate the, the differentiation between throw and catching live shots and conditioning the games, um, which is which is a, another beautiful tool. Um, in terms of the the S1, S2, S3, I would be building it up. So by the end of my block, I would be liking to see, can they make appropriate movement decisions? Can we make appropriate, can we make appropriate uh, tactical decisions and short selection? I don't know if you can pick that up, but my wee man's just appeared to All say right. it. It's because you're talking about volleyball. He's, <laughs> He's buzzing about it. He's interested. <laughs> I heard you speaking about the spike. He's, he's all over it. He's, I, I think it was more about the balloons. He's like, where's the balloons? All right. <laughs> you better get to the shop and buy some tonight. Night-night, <laughs> son. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. That's him just telling me he's going to bed. <laughs> oh, that's cute. Um, I, so, what, so what would you be wanting him to know and can I do by the end of the block then? I'd be looking for at least uh, some sort of 2v2, if not 3v3, by the end of my, my first year block. Um, can they make appropriate movement decisions? Can they make the appropriate communication decisions? And, uh, you know, short selection. If the ball's high, play a volley. If the ball's low, play a dig. And they should be close to playing two to three touch volleyball by the end of a block. Um, Loads and loads and loads and loads of repetition. I can't say that enough. Loads and loads and loads and loads and loads of repetition. The last thing I need my players to do is listen to my voice. So you know, I don't I don't give a lot of instructions. I just get them out there, I get them moving the ball, get them thinking about it. We give them strategies about how to move the ball. You know, you want to move the ball to the net, along the net, and then over the net. Mm-hmm. Along the net. And then over the net, so we've got an idea. We've started building up a visual picture, but how they do that, that's up to them. And uh, again, I'm trying to encourage the full game as early as I can. One of the one of the things that used to happen was, like, I would. I remember when I started, it was just we spent a long time just doing volleys. And by the end of the end of the week, two periods a week, all I done was volleyball. I hadn't played a game, and you're just like, ah. Oh, People were like, oh, I didn't like that. That was rubbish. I can't stand volleyball. The idea is now that we try and make it as fun and engagement. Um, I usually hit them with spiking straight off the bat. Mm-hmm. One thing that people want to do is they want to spike. They want to get in and hit. They want to feel and see the real game. So there'll be a session of spiking in there as well. And I'll use that to break up the skill development. So we'll be doing like five minutes of volley pass, right? Have to get a ball, let's spike. Bam, 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 go crazy, have them jumping up, hitting. So just like a ball each and doing it. Yeah, onto the floor, 
Uh, but like speed bag as well. If you've got if you've got a big enough game, like the box of speed bag, you get it floor, wall, in the air, floor, wall, in the air, blah, 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 blah. Ah, right, okay. And just try and get that rhythm going. You're building up rhythm, you're building up hand position. Then right balls away, back into a 2v2, uh, give them a condition, say, right, okay, second touch needs to be a, a self-fed volley, play a bit of games, back in, give me a, give me a wee bit of service, over the net, bang, bang, bang. And I just keep it constantly mixed up throughout the session so that there's nothing hidden about volleyball. Mm-hmm. And games, as much games as I possibly can. I make everything a game. See if it's a simple eh, non-stop in the air. Okay, when, I, when my watch says go, everybody volley. Last man standing, you're the winner. Eh, we'll play set the score. Next 10, set the score. If you drop it, you go back to zero. After a minute, who's got the most volleys? Same with who's got the most digs. Or everything's a game, no matter what. Make it fun and game like, you know. So they're, they're getting that competitive edge about it. Uh, if there's a bit of competition in it, they're more likely to move. They're mm-hmm. more likely to be, right. And if if I don't know if you're doing single sex classes or if you're a, a gender mix, I always have a. If I've got, if I've got a gender mix, I always go with a gender champion, so that there's no Stevie's always going to win this. He's the best sportsman in the class. I don't care about Stevie being the best. There's always a chance that he moves into a wall and drops it. But there's also the the female champion. There'll be a male champion. There'll be a female champion. I'll look at it that way. So there is always competition within what we do as well. Um, by second year, moving into that second year, we want to be starting to play, focus in on 3v3, building towards 4v4. And then... Again, at, uh, at S three, we should be we should be on our way to playing four v four diamond volleyball. Um, we should be on our way to being able to jump and spike and get it in, in on a badminton court. As long as we're differentiating the net heights, um, if you've got that ability, you know sometimes you need to be a little bit lower to get success with spiking. When you look at the smash ball videos, the nets are slightly higher than badminton, but not full height volleyball. We discussed before at the, uh, the top of the show is that sometimes as adults we can't even touch the top of the the full sight the full height nets. So imagine what a wee first year feels like when they rock into your games hall for the first time. The massive big gym hall. You know, it's not the primary school we closed dinner hall that they've had for PE. They've got this huge environment. You chuck up that massive net and all of a sudden volleyball scene. Push them off. Do you think even badminton nets are just fine for that then, for S1s? So, badminton nets, you can do it a little bit on badminton nets. Um, especially for, for spike ball, for your first years, if you can't get... Um, I know that some, some of the, the ratchet long nets will give you that sort of badminton height net, long net effect. Play spike ball over that with your younger ones. If, so, if, they, if they're bigger, then get it at a women's height net. Or if you've got... Um, some schools have those portable... Uh, Posts that go in the middle that sort of prop it up. Mm. You can customise that so it gives you an in-between. And then work over modified nets and then slowly increase that as you go. Um, the other thing is as well, you can do it reverse. You can you can also say to them, right, you know what, we're going to go over, over the high net today because we need you to invest in the power that you're going to need to get it up and over. And that what that does is it conditions our bodies to get ready to play over the high net. Mm. So 
the variation in the game is something that I would explore across S1 to S3. Brilliant. Well, that's so many good wee bits of information in there. What, um, so just, I'm just going to put you in the spot here, Andy, right? Sorry to do this, but see in terms of, see, if, see just like your kind of top teaching points for a, a volley or a dig, what would you say, like, just like the, the key ones, just to get it across there? Sometimes I find myself like, keen at maybe too many. Listen, uh, first and foremost, always be underneath the ball. Yeah, if you're going to volley it, be underneath the ball. So, you know, get, get your feet, get underneath the ball. Um, think about that trampoline action, that in and out, sharp. You know, how does a trampoline work? You know, it takes your weight, spring stretch, and then fires it in the air. You want to start to see that throughout the whole body. Um, I think the same, same for the dig pass. You know, if you're going to do it on an individual basis, you need to be underneath it. Um, you need to be able to get to get to that position. So again, movement is the is the key that I'd be saying to anybody. If you can move to where the ball is going to be, then you've got to have a chance. Understand how to move at speed and then organise your body. That's part of the, the refinement of volleyball. Um, it, shouldn't, it shouldn't be frightening, that's for sure. People shouldn't be uh, afraid of going and delivering it because it's, it's a leveller. Mm-hmm, definitely. How, how many kids are coming in at S1 that have had loads of volleyball? Mm-hmm. Probably very few schools and primary schools in Scotland do any curricular volleyball unless they're really, really blessed. So... If you get them, they're, they're looking at you as if to, you know, the way, the way that every participant looks at every secondary school teacher, you are the, the answers and you have the, the capabilities to, to mould and shape it. You know, don't worry about it, get on with it. It's just, it's comforting knowing that um, some of the stuff that you've been speaking about in regards to like movement and all that, I actually do cover. So I thought I was going to have you on the night and I was going to be like, oh, oh my God, I'm, no, <laughs> no, no, I'm, no. A, I'm an absolute mile off it. But some loads of absolute brilliant wee tips in there that I can definitely take forward in my classes because I actually teach quite a lot of, well, try and teach quite a lot of volleyball. Love um, to hear that. So, and I, I really, I really do enjoy teaching it. And, and I really like where you were speaking about how it doesn't really need to be perfect in terms of how regimented it is, how organised. Like, I like having that, sometimes having that wee bit of chaos where you're all, you've got the ball and you're like spiking it off the wall and everything. And, and I agree with you there. Like, I think the, the pupils absolutely buzz off that type of, that type of stuff. Yeah. If you get the buzz right, then, then you get the hook. And usually what you find is once you've got the hook, you've got the problem because you have to then manage them coming to you and saying, where's the after, where's the after school club? Where's the lunchtime right. club? And, and that, that has to, you know, that has to your was uh, mm. how you manage, how you manage your time with those people who are very yeah. demanding in the PE department. There's worse problems to have then, aren't there? That's, uh, well, I mean, that, yeah, that, that's, that's the best kind of problem. Aye, definitely, definitely. I was interested to hear about the, uh, the cooperation, because you always hear about movement and thinking in the lesson, but I've never heard of the kind of focus no, on cooperation, but it's big on at the end of the day, Clark, at some point we're going to be in the same team. Now, uh, male, female, best friend, you know, the strangest wee guy in the class, they're all going to be in the team and you have to work together. Um, volleyball is a game where you cannot be Messi or Ronaldo and, and take the game with the scuff mm-hmm. and minute. You're on. If, once I've touched it, I'm 100% reliant on my teammate yep. beckoning and playing that ball. And if I don't teach you how to do that from an early doors, if I think it's all right just to be super skillful myself, then you won't you won't get very far. One of the biggest frustrations I had when uh, when I was going through college and uni was everybody looked at Andy Fleming, the uh, international volleyball player, and uh, 
they, they didn't they didn't compute that I could only do the first touch. After that, I was at complete mercy of the person I was passing to. If they weren't able to put the ball up, they weren't able to set the ball in the right area, then that massively impacted what I could do. And I, I had people try to do like ripping it. The Michael out of me going, ah, you're supposed to be brilliant in this. I'm like, I am. And I get more and more frustrated. And it's only, you only get to express what you can do in rare, rare moments. But when those moments come, they get, they kind of got to see what you can do. Mm-hmm. And that's where if we don't teach them to cooperate. If we don't teach them to understand that if I throw the ball terribly for you, then you don't learn. So each person's role within the class is vital. My job when I'm feeding the ball is to facilitate you getting better. Your job when I feed you the ball is to get better. And it's for the benefit of us because eventually we'll be teammates and we want to win. Yep. If we can't cooperate and do the things that are needed to win, then we're going to lose. We're going to spend a lot of time losing. One of the things I teach when we play 2v2 is that I try to highlight what happens if I don't practice passing one, two, three touches, what happens as a consequence. So, for example, I pass it straight over the net and you two guys pass it and spike it down my throat. The next ball comes over, I pass it straight over the net, you two guys go pass it, spike it down my throat. I'm constantly losing because what did I not do? I did not spend my time cooperating with my teammate to get to the stage where I could do that back to you. So, I eventually end up losing matches where in the beginning of playing what I'd call ping pong or tennis, batting it straight back and forward, the team that can demonstrate ball control, they can move the ball to the net and they've got much more tactical availability. I can spike it, I can tip it, I can move it into space and eventually I'll end up winning more games than I would have if I just volley or I get straight over. So understanding that cooperation is absolutely vital. Yeah, that gives them the platform to then go and compete as a, as a team. Definitely. Thank you, Andy. <laughs> and my next question, you've kind of covered a, a good bit of that there, but I don't know if there's, if there's anything else you want to add. So in terms of advice you would give to a teacher that's listening to this, this episode right now who's maybe teaching a class with, with next to no experience to enable them to achieve success, what would your kind of, maybe your kind of top tips be for that? Experience of what, though, Lewis? Experience like, of volleyball? Or? Yeah, experience of volleyball. That's what I meant. Right. I mean, because, like... I, I, that's where I asked you at the top of the show what 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 the what the journey is during um, during PE college or whatever your course is. What you need to do is you need to get out there and experience it, you know, for yourself. Teaching mm-hmm. is one thing, playing is a different matter. And um, I would actively encourage everybody if they're going to play, if they're going to teach volleyball, to play a little bit because if you fall in love with the game, then it becomes easy to. To teach so play a lot play as much as you can I, I know that there's PE departments across Scotland that a lunchtime club for them is I love it Friday lunchtime you know, and the banter they get it's class so it's good for morale isn't it it's one of those sports I mean mm-hmm. who, who doesn't like a bit of team bonding with, with, your, with your colleagues a bit of non-threatening volleyball uh, Holy Holy Cross in Hamilton uh, with a good friend of mine Dave McKegney he uh, him and uh, Grant and the, the PT Grant and all the staff in there they get in, in the gym and they play a bit uh, I know that uh, 
guys like Alan Slostown and uh, Air Academy, uh, their whole PE department, they like to get the net out and, and get a wee bit of a buzz going. So always try and play a little bit. That, that would be one thing. In terms of experience, I would say ask, mm -hmm. talk, look and learn. There's always somebody within the department from from one school to another who's had a, 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 a school that's been big on volleyball and they've picked up tidbits, they've picked up wee snippets. So always ask, always be learning. One of the things that I've, I've discovered since I've moved into this role is that the opportunities for learning are so vast. You just, you don't have enough hours in the day to do it. So uh, if there's somebody in there that can help you out, ask. Yeah, um, Scottish Volleyball. If you're not chapping our door down to, to get help, then I don't know what you've been up to. Um, we are a really accessible governing body. We've got so much to offer uh, through our staff, but also through our CPD structure, through our resources. Um, we have a we have a teacher's learning zone. Uh, anytime you go to a festival, we do a teacher's learning zone. So we'll throw in an area of volleyball and we'll spend like 30 minutes in lunch doing some theory and some practical with teachers whilst the kids are eating. We'll chuck the ball about, we'll show some skills, we'll show some drills, we'll have it in themes. And we do that with every, every one of our festival structures. We've got, we've got a bank of video resources with, with various drills from high level elite athletes to sitting volleyball stuff. I mean, we've just, I'm working on a, a coach education strand right now for sitting volleyball. And uh, one of my colleagues from Paris has sent us three terabits of video. So we've got all this, all these resources. And the part of part of the affiliation with Scottish Volleyball, which is £35, absolute bargain. You get access to every bit of our video content, every one of our festival structures, um, and, and access to our staff for 35 quid a year. A bargain. Absolute bargain bucket right there. Absolute bargain bucket. <laughs> uh, see, see when you see when you get in, like there's people that are, are like repeat offenders, like they can't get enough. Stuart McCracken at Wood Farm. I've, I was literally, was literally on the phone to me tonight going, uh, when's volleyball starting back up? When can I get my kids linked up to the club? When, when you know, people who are really invested in it, um, you know, and we'll, we'll do the hard yards. Like last, last week I was up in Aberdeen. Last year I was away down as far as Durban and Bigger and um, get the ferry across the Oban. Get, uh, two years ago, Ben, Ed Pipes, who worked with us, eh, took the plane to Barra. You know, that's landing on a beach and then right. somebody... That's class. Spend, uh, there. So, um, there's ways in which you guys can get your PE departments involved and we'll come out and we'll give it a good, a good old looking over, give you as much as we can uh, and resource it. So, in terms of that little to no experience, let's help you get it. And mm -hmm. Scottish Volleyball's that. And, and have you done any work with kids who have kind of no experience of playing volleyball at all, not even like any pupils with additional support needs, or have you done any kind of work? Let me just differentiate that with a balloon or what, or how would you kind of? Yeah, so I mean, Clark, in my career in coaching, I've had every gambit that you could throw at me. I had uh, there was one wee girl up in Springburn already. We're talking about an area of um, high SMID and. Uh, 
she had been on a fire and she had no hands. And I was there to teach her volleyball. No hands, no problem. No hands, mm. no problem. We, uh, we we modified the ball because obviously the hard ball wasn't good for um, for our stumps. So uh, I don't know if they're still I don't know if they're still ready, readily available in schools, but they had like a balloon ball. Mm-hmm. So you would blow up the balloon and it went inside like a cloth. It was like it would go over the top of the ball. It would give it a little bit little bit more weight. Not as heavy as a a beach ball. Not as light as a balloon, it was somewhere in between, and she was able to use both stumps at the same time to keep that ball up. And through the modified game of catching one, throwing it up, and hitting it over, she was able to play a modified game of volleyball. Um, I'm more, obviously I've told you I'm sitting, I'm working on sitting volleyball. So um, again, I'm name dropping. But Craig Brown is a he's a basketball Scotland wheelchair basketball player. Um, right. prosthetic legs, uh, some disability in his hands. He's helped us write the sitting volleyball course. He's helped us get the, the terms correct for, for stumps, for prosthetics, and, and understanding the movements and stuff that's required. And again, that's something that we would be looking to teach uh, and offer through our coach education strands to teachers that the, 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 the differentiation that you're available with with volleyball is huge. Um, why not that, drop the net? Six v six with sitting volleyball, or is it? Yep, six v six with sitting yeah. volleyball. And again, using balloons, using beach balls, using modified. Um, again, the way the way volleyballs evolved right now, uh, Clark. When I first started, it was uh, two. There was two manufacturers of volleyballs. It was um, two or three. It was Molten, Tachikara, and Mikasa. Right. And they were bright white leather balls that when they hit you, you knew all about it. If you dug the ball, your arms stink for about 40 minutes afterwards. And, and I think we still have stuff. a couple of them. <laughs> <laughs> if you have them, give them to the kids and let them play five-a-sides with them. Aye. Because you don't want <clears throat> PE teachers, if you're listening to this, if you're still rocking those volleyballs out there, get rid of them immediately. <laughs> like you're, just, you're just putting people off for life. Um, we would modify. We've modified our volleyballs right now, and uh, Macasa are the they're the main sponsor of sponsor and produ- producer of volleyballs, and they've got these super fine, super light moleskin volleyballs that are absolutely a dream to teach with. A little bit more on terms of your ball uh, ball per unit, probably between uh, ten to fifteen pounds for one ball. But I can tell you this, if you invest in this, your teaching skills will go through the roof. The way your kids will embrace volleyball will go through the roof. Um, we also have a weighted system, so the balls are weighted. And we increase the weight as we go through the age stages. So one of the things is I would... Is that called Macasa? Sorry, sorry, Andy. Is that Macasa? Macasa. I'll send you I'll send you everything you need in a link after this. Um, the yeah, a promo code. I need to get on to the office <laughs> to get some of them. Get, get, get on it. Um, literally, we try, we try and wait and categorise all the volleyballs for our, for our age groups so that you know, there's no chance of putting somebody off. Um, there's, there's nothing worse than getting popped in the face with a volleyball that you really shouldn't be hit with. Um, it, it can be so off-putting. So, again, that would be another tip bit for, uh, for 
any PE staff out there, check your equipment because if um, if it's not suitable, it's probably giving people the wrong impression. Um, you're, you're probably putting folk off when you know they come to you. You know, you you know yourself. You, you've got people in your class that are quite slight. They're not. They're not massive bulky people and their forearms can be quite bony and if you're hitting them with mm-hmm. a, a, a wrong weight a gradient of ball then they're, they're probably coming up to you and saying sir my arms swap. are really yeah. sore and they're bright red and they look like they're having a really tough day it might be your equipment needs to be looked is there somewhere you can find out like that information though like the weight of ball for like they say what age group it should be with again what you'd find on the website uh, and there's many, many websites available. It all comes down to what your school's got on IPROC and what your procurement system is. But each of the volleyballs has a weight grade and uh, you, you'll be able to, it starts off slow and it, it, it low or high, depending on how they've got it ordered on the website. But mm-hmm. the full match ball will be the top one in terms of price and it'll work its way down. When you get oh, yeah. to the lower price, you're looking at the lower stuff. I would always recommend that you speak to us before you make a, a a purchase so that we make sure we find right. the right stuff. Aye. That could be a simple email to the office and one of the regional staff will get back to you or you can mm-hmm. pick up the phone to me and I'll, I'll speak to you. So we, I, I'm just trying to think here. We've got like the, the Mikasa ones that have got like that wee thin layer of kind of foam on it. They're nice. They're actually not bad to play with. They're quite good, but they're all they're all the same. And there is a couple a couple of those old ones that are um, that, that really, that really leather. That, that really solid material that do Every PE department's got a, a treasure trove of equipment that was from back in the day and Aye. Uh, it's probably surplus to requirements but you probably found that it might be useful. Um, I mean, you know, it, it had its purpose one time many, many moons ago but uh, in terms of the development of the equipment and the way the game is just now, the new, the new look, the new lightweight stuff is just conducive for teaching environments, so yeah. definitely there. Beach balls as well. Uh, one of the one of the things that I did, uh, and, uh, I don't know, I mean, she might watch, she might not. Angie McGrew at uh, Merlin's Castle, um, she has a summer camp for her incoming primary sevens, and they specialise that in volleyball, so they do like three days of volleyball, but at the very end they play mega ball volleyball. Big one. You've seen them, you see them in the big pound shop, it's like, that big inflatable football it's got the foam cover on it she buys about five of them and she just chucks them over the net like ten aside and the kids have an absolute whale of a time moving this big thing about so <laughs> your equipment is absolutely key to whether Aye. or not the kids it's a good way, good way to differentiate it with equipment, yeah. isn't it? I've seen, I seen like sometimes you see like wee ideas on Twitter and that, and you see the one where they're playing like the kind of forecourt, but it's like the nets are kind of crossed over. And I've seen, yeah. those, but I was trying to find out, like someone commented, I think you can get them on Amazon. They weren't quite as big as those ones that you're speaking about, but they are significantly, significantly yeah, bigger. Yeah. Um, I was just trying to, I was trying, I actually was trying to, trying to source some of them, but I couldn't, I couldn't work out where they were, but. Uh, I think that's, a, that's an American product in the, at the moment, my, my, my national team head coach, Ali Jack, who's in, uh, he's in Fife, is, uh, he's trying to source one uh, for his school, so if he can, if he can get one uh, and I can get a video, I'll, I'll send it to you. So Aye, probably. Like. But improvisation, guys, like um, yeah. when I deliver in primary schools, I went to, uh, here we go, 
called the uh, Remnant Kings. It was uh, an old haberdasher store, and I just got a big roll of elastic, two-inch stick, just it was knicker elastic, and all I needed was a space to tie it onto the wall at either end of the games hall, and I had a net. Yeah, and uh, mm-hmm. it was just like a big long elastic band, and then eventually over years, I got a couple of bamboo nets, cut the cable ties. I cable tied the bamboo nets to it like curtains, so I could have one big long net, or I could have four wee spaced out nets. And I just improvised for primary school delivery, and uh, even even that uh, was a good way in terms of getting my net at different heights and you know being able to do it outside as well as inside. Mm-hmm. So uh, a lot of people within their schools say we do volleyball as an inside sport. Um, summer summer season, it's say uh, the the usual softball league, which teacher can hit the home run the furthest? Well, believe it or not, we want you to be outside playing two-a-side, three-a-side volleyball, and we've got ways in which you can do that as well. So, um, again, once you speak to your development staff within volleyball, they'll tell you how to access pop-up nets and improvise your own. So Yeah. Hi, Lewis, did you tell Andy about the time we went up to Sky and the... Lewis brought Lewis brought the volleyball net for school and a couple of volleyballs and we're going to for, for the summer take, when they, we're they going to take on the beach. I mean, I, and they were like, not. They were running scared. Were they? <laughs> no, they didn't, didn't get the net. We had the net set up, but the only people that showed up were a couple of sheep. They <laughs> <laughs> uh, still get beat. Okay? Still get beat. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, right, well, that can on, on to my next question then, Andy. Looking at kind of challenges that we, we would typically face as PE teachers when teaching um, volleyball. So, what what would you say are the most kind of common challenges um, from your experience when teaching it, and how you would maybe suggest overcoming them? So, the worst the worst thing that I've got right now is environment. Okay. Uh, we, we, again, we, the top of the show, we talked about the facilities available to, to, to educators. Um, not everybody is blessed with the brand new school with the super high roof and the, the 4G pitch outside. So uh, making making your environment accessible is, is one thing. Um, talking, talking to... Uh, your whatever whatever janitorial company it is that that looks after your building, it is absolutely essential that you have a long net for teaching volleyball. In fact, a long net for teaching central net games, tennis, badminton, sitting volleyball, full size volleyball. If you've not got a, a long central net in your school, you go to your head teacher tomorrow and you campaign the living daylights about adding that essential teaching resource to your school. If you've not done it before, if you don't know where to start, email me immediately. I'll indicate you a company that will get you a price. What price can you put on the education of four or five sports on one piece of kit? I don't think you can put a price on it. A company installing it will put a price on it. Your head teacher might think it's expensive, but it's going to get, if you get this right, it gives you a lifetime of, a lifetime of learning opportunities for generations of children so um, don't, don't worry about having these difficult conversations i'll give you a business case that will highlight what you need to do in terms of funding yeah, in terms of you know the installment and, and who to speak to about putting it in 
or get it in and get it right. I remember mm. Alex McVeigh at Wood Farm. He he had an amazing setup. He had his long central net, and he had three longer uh, breadth length nets that allowed him to set up, you know, twelve courts of volleyball. And again, so so you know, length and breadth nets is what he had in his in his games hall. Uh, if if you think about Duncan Rigg, Duncan Rigg have got two central nets. In fact, no, they've got three central nets. They've got one right down the middle, and they've got the ability to put two straight down and have two long nets of 4v4 going on all the way down their games all. Wow. So invest yeah. in your facility. And I, th- you know, I, take it, I take it the net just gets, does it just hooks? And then, yeah, it's like, and then they put hooks, it away. Eyelets, steel plates that get drilled into the wall. And it's a ratchet or a, a ratchet, right. what do we call it, a, a sailing pulley system. Right. Hmm. It's like tightening a sail and sailing. Right. Just pull it in and it pops off. And it's up and down in seconds. It goes away easy enough. It's, it's easy. It's a hook on one end, stretch it out, hook it on the other, pull the ratchet, pull the pull the, the tensioning in, and it goes up like that. Saving you, saving you valuable teaching time. Valuable yeah. teaching time in one piece of kit. No, see what you were saying there. So, see in terms of the sports, I'll use it. Just like this is my example. I'm holding up a notepad for anybody listening right now. So they would have. So that. So obviously a long net, like like what you would typically have. But they would have one there and then one there. Yep. So you'd have a court there, a court there. Yeah. You'd have it all going. Ah, right. Okay. And is there is there enough is there enough space for that then for all those four v four games? Aye. So there's enough length on the court. So, uh, I I usually work with active schools and we do a festival for their. A transition day and uh, Duncan Riggs a really large school in East Coburn. Yeah. This got a massive intake and each day, each day of that transition festival, you're talking on on those two nets with sports leaders. We run a festival of about 150, 150 primary kids transitioning in in that one gym. That you're never you're never putting 150 kids in your gym at once when you've got them timetabled in PE, but. In that environment with those two nets, you've got four teams, 2v2, 3v3, all on there. And when you get up to the upper school, you're playing 3v3, 4v4 on it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely dream, dream scenario. So that's one of my that's one of my biggest challenges is going into schools and seeing them, I mean, playing over bands and no net tension or bits and pieces falling off the wall. You know, make it making do. When you know they're spending millions, millions of pounds on interactive whiteboards and, and iPads yeah. and all the rest mm-hmm. of it, yeah, one simple piece of kit which is going to last you now. I, I, talk, I talk about the John Wright Sports Centre and East Kilbride. Uh, it's forty-four year old. They invested at the time in state-of-the-art BVF volleyball posts. They've been fixed twice in forty years. It's mm-hmm never been broken to the point that they've had to do away with it. They invested in the right equipment at the right time mm-hmm. and they installed it correctly and it's lasted them a lifetime. That's 40 years worth of that's tournaments and festivals mm-hmm. that's gone on inside that gym. Mm-hmm. Why, why, why why how durable it is. I mean, it's, it's brilliant. Save your brain for things over and over, doesn't it? Volleyball. How much time does it take you to set up four courts of badminton? With your first years, do you no, set them up on your own? Five minutes, at least ten minutes. 
30 seconds to tension that net to the height you need for Davidson, and you've got it up and done. Yeah, easy to take down as well. Easy to take down. It just gets rolled up and put in your big box and dragged away. Mm-hmm. That's definitely a challenge. We're a great solution, Andy. Hey, that's what I was thinking as well. So see, see in your like common small gyms, because I don't often, if I'm teaching, like I have an S3 class tomorrow morning and I'm in the, the smaller gym with them for volleyball. And it's just like your, your average typical size of a small gym that you would get in a high school. Um, obviously, you've got the games on in the smaller ones. And like they've got a badminton court. Aye, it's got a badminton court in it. Like enough for a badminton court, quite low ceiling. But um, obviously, try and do as much kind of repetition stuff like you were talking about, get as much participation as possible. And I've been able to put like a long net, like kind of a makeshift long net, long ways on it, using like badminton nets and stuff like that, just to try and obviously get more people on the court at the one time. But do you think it's still that is that is that still useful to play games that way though? Yeah, it encourages ball control. Mm-hmm. Tight, tight, small games can inter- encourages ball control. It means that you become more accurate with the passing. Yeah, it means you become club uh, more intelligent with your shot selection in terms of offense. Um, yeah, I think it, it has really, really value. We, I've just, I've just been working with a, an absolute, an absolute genius of a beach volleyball coach, and uh, I was, exp- I mean, Olympic. We're talking Olympic level. Mm-hmm. And he sent me his lesson, his lesson plan. He said, "Go, Andy, go, go teach this lesson plan to my Commonwealth Games athletes." And I was blown away by the fundamental nature of it. It was so simple that I thought he must have sent me the wrong lesson plan. But it, absolutely, what he said was, "You're going to play on half the court, and you're only going to play on the first two meters, or you're going to play on the last three meters. The middle bit, you don't even worry about." The front bit, you either playing that bit or you either playing that bit. And I was just like, absolute genius. He's just looking at making them move and air zone and playing ball control. And he did reps. I mean, that was two sessions, two sessions a day, you know, two hours of mm-hmm. just reps in that zone, reps in this zone on the different different diagonals. Genius. Uh, was, there, was there any players in the middle in case it did go in there? Just one player? Because no. the, the whole idea was to encourage them, encourage them to play from the back into that front zone. Right. To encourage mm-hmm. them to be that tight with their ball control to put it into those zones. Now, you, if you go on that tight, small court, what you'll get is the ability to rally. But with that ability to rally from my side is the ability to rally on the other side, which means you need to be more clever about how you attack and how you craft and move the ball. So, yeah, I, when, I work, when I worked with uh, Richie Clark up at St Andy's and St Bride's, they often had their volleyball uh, in that environment you described, Lewis, and their net was really high. Yeah. But what they had was they had good ball control and the, the awareness because people were playing it over higher and deeper and mm-hmm. uh, the players were developing their awareness at the back edge of the court. So uh, there always is a, a value to it. Aye. That's just it's just in my it's just my concern previously was obviously splitting it like horizontally so you've got less people playing, especially if you are not up to like six v six volleyball or whatever, then you've just got so many kinda it's just, so it just seems, seems like a waste of space almost. So one of the things that we can do with you there is uh, give you game formats. Mm-hmm. So uh, so taking it back to that camp in America we went to, 
they they had a hall that had six courts, six full size indoor courts, mm-hmm. and it was just a volleyball hall. There was no other. There was no basketball. There was no handball. There was no nothing. They had six full size courts in this games hall, and we had about four hundred people in this. And we played one night of three hours long, three v three, one point wins running these so if you imagine if you imagine your paper um one two three four five six if you lost on court one you're anti court two if you lost on court two you're anti three lost on three you're anti four five six back to one so you were constantly going on mm-hmm. one on any of the courts you went to the winner's side and you stayed there and you only stayed there as long as you could keep winning king of the court queen of the court style so constantly you were always moving, you were always thinking about how to play your game, who was the tactic, who was the best player, who was the, who was the one that you wanted to serve at, who was the one you didn't want to serve at, and you had to think about that as you moved around the court. And you just kept your score on the champion side. Three hours every camp. Sounds intense. It's intense, but it gives you a game format that in your wee space you can maybe say, right, how do I modify that? Well, if I play three on three, I have three that play they lose, they go off, another three comes on. They lose, another three comes on. On the other side, they get the exact same, and you just keep switching threes as you go, and you only play one-point rally because the, the ultimate nature of volleyball is it's cutthroat. Yeah. yeah. Rally starts and stops after one point. Do you need to play 75 to find a winner and have somebody yeah. standing off? Absolutely not. Aye. So, so, so to, just to clarify that then, so say you've got that split long ways up the hall, you've got... Say you've managed to split it into three courts. So you get 3v3, 3v3, 3v3. So three games going at one time. And then would you say you would have, like, obviously your other threes just kind of sitting at the side just until that one point was down? So I can do it in a couple of ways. I can do it in cascading. So one to two, two to three, three to one. So that people would be constantly moving up and down and the champion side would stay still. Or I could play big team, little team volleyball. So I could have maybe nine players on one court, nine players on the next, nine, 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 nine. Uh-huh. Three players play at a time and they play for one point. Every time they win, they get a point for their team. They can only stay on for three maximum. Then the next three in my, my nine come on. If I lose, the next three in my nine comes on. The next three, the next three, the next three. And if there's nine on each side, you're constantly going between either one or two points in a row, three points in a row, or one and one. So the nine are constantly changing, and that's on every single court. Right, okay. That's a good way to do it. Accommodate big numbers. Conveyor belt, but it's managing my numbers. Number of t- uh, number of seconds in a rally, zero, because I served straight out. Mm-hmm. Three, if I score an ace, straight over on it, it's, um, I win. Or it could be 15 seconds, 30 seconds. So every... Zero to 30 seconds, you're getting another point played or another team in. So it's a constant conveyor belt, and every point you are fighting to move, think, and cooperate with your teammates to be successful. So it's every three points you change the next three? If I, if I win three in a row, Clark, I have to go off. Right. Well, so you're, you're, you're three. You, so would it be you, just you individually, or you three at that I point? Can play, I can play individually, I can play it as pairs, I can play it as threes, I can play it as, you know, you know 4v4. Whatever you're, however you're managing your numbers in your class and your space, 
that's the game format I would have. I would have four waiting off, four on, four right. on on the other side, four v four, four off, four off, and I would switch in between, or I could do it in threes, and I'd be switching every. I could have nine on the court, nine on one side, nine on the other. It just it's depends good. on your, your class. But that that's one of the things that we will at Scottish Volleyball we would help you help, help you manage. Just like here's your game format. You're going to play king of the court three v three. You're going to play running threes. The condition is that you have to play two statues in this game. The condition is that you must always cross the net with a spike. So see if I don't spike it over, get off. That's the condition. And you can add that into the games as they go. The faster they get, the better, you know, the higher up the school you go with them, the faster you get, the better they get. Those wee conditions make it more exciting for them. And you'll see players naturally communicate with them. Like if I see you're about to volley, I'm screaming at you, spike it, spike it, spike it, because I don't want to go off. And that mm-hmm. competitive element will come into that communication, which is what we're talking about, that that, that co- cooperation piece. That's brilliant, yep. Right, I'm conscious of time, but we'll, we'll touch on the last question here. I know you'd spoken on the phone a couple of weeks ago that you started your own TV show during lockdown, uh, having <laughs> having with experienced volleyball coaches and players. Am I right? Would you be able to share any any learning moments that you've had over the over the course of the TV show that you started that you've so that you could share with us? Right, okay, I tell you what, right. Every one of every one of my, my SVTV uh, recordings is on Scottish Volleyball uh, Facebook and YouTube channel. Uh, if you are a P a P teacher who's into learning about volleyball or, or sport, then there is something for everyone in it. Um, High-level volleyball tactics, low-level volleyball tactics, how to be a camp specialist, how to treat people as individuals, how to just be an absolute sterling uh, human being uh, is in these conversations. So, um, I mean, I had had, uh, teachers on. Um, I've had... European coaches, I had Brazilian coaches, I had the Institute of Sport for Australia talking about nutrition, I've had sports psychologists on, and everybody giving their perspective on how to be a, a well-rounded sports coaching programme. I have to say one of the most exciting things I ever did was work with the USA Olympic team. Now they were in the preparation for Tokyo, for the, the, the women's programme that is. They won the gold medal. and. Uh, during, during their preparation time through COVID, I reached out to a friend of mine who works on that programme and she came on and said, um, you know, we're just talking, we're in, in my kitchen at two in the morning talking to in California. And I was like, you go, you, you know, Erin, you're going to come on and do my show, aren't you? And she's like, yeah, I've saw this. I knew it was coming. Um, yeah, I'll come on the show. And I was like, brilliant. Here's what I want. I just want you to talk about your role. She's like, I'll get everybody. And I was like, what? She's like, I'll just get everybody. And she brought on her passing coordinator, who's a, a one-time Olympian a medalist. A, she brought on her blocking coordinator, defensive coordinator, Olympic-level coach, and then her Olympic-level coach. And then they brought on Karch Karai, which is the greatest ever volleyball player. It was like, it's like Ronaldo, Messi, and Pele rolled into one He's won gold on the indoor in the Olympics and he's won gold in the beach in the Olympics and he's now coached gold 
at the Olympics on the indoor circuit and he came on for I did a broadcast it was nearly five hours, it was longer than the Super Bowl. Oh um but everything that this guy spoke about Karch Karai was just incredible. Like how to be a good person, how to be a good coach, how to never tell people how to do it. I'm never gonna tell you this is how you do it. You wanna you wanna learn how to do it, learn how to do it. I'll shape things to make the environment conducive to your learning. And, uh, you know, every single moment of every single action, there's adversity. You've got to, you've got to find the way to overcome that adversity. And he's, ta- he's talking to me about this, right? And I'm just, I know that I'm just sitting there going, this is amazing. Everything he's saying is absolutely genius. And then his laptop died. Big <laughs> oh, broadcast. I'm like, uh, uh, so as much as we're sitting here having this conversation, <laughs> I'm in the background who are on a broadcast with, California, and he's just gone, and I'm like, right, guys, well, um, we're having some technical issues. I'm, I'm just talking away, and I started recapping through it, and I get, I get, I get the message in my ear from my guys like he's back, like that, straight away. He came back on his phone, and he stayed another hour and forty minutes. Like, I'm <laughs> so passionate about it. And that's what that was one thing that that he picked up on that I, that I really honed in on. No matter what you're doing, you'll find difficulties in everything. If it's difficulties in being an inexperienced volleyball teacher or a basketball teacher, there's ways in which you can educate and take those moments in, in adversity and get over them. And uh, him coming back on his phone within like 30 seconds was just... Practicing mm-hmm. what he preaches. Aye. Like... You know, I, I couldn't leave it at that. And, uh, <clears throat> you know, we, we did that extra hour and 40 minutes or an hour and 30 minutes on, on an iPhone and uh, the quality was just, it was just super high. Um, so, yeah, that, that, that for me was one of the big takeaways was, you know, no matter how difficult you think it is, there's always a way to get around it. There's always yeah. a way to, to make something happen. And the impact that that will have for the people that you're working with, you'll, you'll, you probably won't ever gauge you probably won't have a gauge. Like he'll he'll go away thinking I just did I just did what I would normally do and overcome. But for us, that was the most incredible thing. It was a huge teaching moment. And we had that we had an audience about nearly ten thousand folk or eight thousand folk or something listening to this, watching this live. Right. Uh, and just saying that this one guy's actions has had that impact across everybody. That's a great so, story. You must have been starstruck as well, wasn't him? When I first started with the national team, there was uh, there was a standard joke. Um, the coach at the time, Nick Moody, had one videotape, and it was of this guy, Carl's uh, Karai, who was pinnacled as the most perfect technical player ever. And all we ever seen of him was him taking one step. It was his left step for timing. He was like, look at this timing. Look at that step. And all we would sit down in this technical meeting was watch this guy take one step. And I actually told him that story and he was killing himself laughing. He's like, how, how technology's moved on. His team had just given me like, I mean, this is, this is how confident they were with the Olympics. They put out their coaches and said, this is how we teach offense. Yep. This is how we run our defense. This is how we do our passing. And we broadcast that before they went to the Olympics. They just do it. They do it. Repetition, repetition, and they do it well. They're just confident in it because they've done it that many times. See the, all that all that information about you know offensive like coordination. Like if you're teaching setting, 
you know, don't just set the ball to the outside, set the ball to the gap, set the ball to, uh, set the ball with speeds, set the ball where there's an overload. It's all on there, all on these videos, man. Uh, I mean, that's, that's amazing. I, 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 I tell you this as well, at one point, <laughs> You kind of broke. You broke up there. We got caught. Did that? Did that? No, I broke up as well. Just I just that last wee bit, Andy. Can you say it again? Just with them and hear it. I just, I just said like, uh, I actually, I, I said I had to put them on hold because I needed. I'd been broadcasting for so long. I had to go to the toilet. <laughs> I had to put the you know, volleyball history on hold. But I, I swear to God, I'm up upstairs in my in my flat right now. I was sprinting because the, the, the toilet is on the upstairs floor. I was like sprinting properly running back. So I didn't keep this guy. So what time did you go off the phone? If it was that two in the morning? Started. So that that went on for them. It was like uh, we started at nine o'clock in the morning. So that was here was about four o'clock in the afternoon, and it, I must have come off about four and a half hours later. Five, almost five hours right. later. That's so amazing. Middle of the <clears throat> Had they had dinner, I was just, and then, and then I come off the court, I was like, absolutely am. Because inside it, it's just littered with teachable moments, like yeah. how to be humble. Um, he was on Baywatch, right? He was, like, back in the day, Baywatch with David Hasselhoff, they did a, one of the actors on it was a bit of a player, and they wanted to, to showcase the beach, and the, the AVP at the time, the American Beach Volleyball League for the pros, was trying to do publicity, and there you go, what best way to do that and link up a TV show. So they did this episode and he played uh, him and his partner and one other guy and one of the co-stars in Baywatch, they played this beach volleyball tournament. So, you know, these things were, they did it, they got their money and they thought nothing of it. But then Baywatch became a cult show and uh, everybody who was ever on Baywatch now gets a residual like a residual fee so every year four times a year he gets a check for appearing in Baywatch because it's been shown in a repeat somewhere in like you know Slovenia or you know he just keeps making money off it <laughs> he just keeps making money off it now one of the things that he does is like he gets this check and he looks at it and it's like it's enough for like two coffees at Starbucks and every time he gets it takes it to the notice board and he pins it up as a reminder of how humble he is about the fact that no matter what I've done in my career, I've still made just enough money to get me a Starbucks. <laughs> incredible. Puts any perspective. Right. Perspective, like one of the greatest ever players, like he's made millions, millions. That's amazing. And he still gets a residual check for Starbucks from, from one episode I've been watching. Absolutely love that one. Just never, never tell people how to do it. Like, how, how often do you do you try, or even just offer advice on that? I think it's just so great. It's just, a, I think that's such a good way to approach your teaching as well. Like, yeah, definitely. you shape the learning that that will trigger something that will spark that knowledge and understanding and that, that light bulb moment, and it it will ring true. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, through that series, that was one of the things, like, you know, everybody will learn differently, everybody will learn at a different rate, you know, try not to get frustrated, because they are still, they are still enjoying what you're doing, while mm. you're doing it. 
Aye. There's loads in there. There's loads in there. I could talk about it all night, guys. Aye, it's, it's brilliant. What was it um, before we before we finish on the, the topic of Baywatch? What was it? When was it you said you went for your your audition for Baywatch, Clark? But no, but uh, 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 I went for my my audition and they said I've got a body for Baywatch and a face for Crime Watch. <laughs> <laughs> I get quite like turned away. <laughs> so, aye, that was I was in, I was into that. <laughs> I mean, it's, I'm, I'm, I'm saying this on a podcast, mate, but you're lying. <laughs> <laughs> I just made that up there, eh? Right, moving on to the quick fire round, then the bit Andy's been waiting for. Oh, God. Right, so Andy, three quick questions to finish us off with three just off-the-cuff answers, all right? So, number one, if you could have a giant billboard anywhere, what would it say on it? Good is the enemy of great. Great is the enemy of excellence. Brilliant. Number two, which people or books have had the biggest influence on your life? Hey, I'm not a big reader unless it's a factual text. So in terms of reading, uh, I can tell you maybe five books like I've picked up and read for fun that have been like non non entertainment. Like uh, George Orwell, 1984 is my ultimate favourite. Like if I'm going to read something that that's get a, and we're living it right now, unfortunately. Um, mm. Uh, in terms of influences, people moved. Uh, my dad, he he was my sporting driver um, all through my, my early days. As much as he never understood volleyball, mm-hmm. couldn't couldn't fathom that as a as a sporting choice. But was humongously supportive of me through my early days with that. And uh, I think everything I'll, everything I've got in terms of my competitive nature. Came from like backyard backyard sports. Now, uh, you know, if 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 it involved any sort of sporting context that happened outside, it probably took place in our garden and uh, in Wood Farm. So he's probably influenced me there. In terms of volleyball, uh, there's been so many people that I've picked up bits and pieces from. That, like I said, that World Volleyball Training Camp uh, in America. There was so many coaches out there that I learned from. Uh, and, and you know, it's, there's a network of them that I'm still in contact with, and again through that um, through that series on on uh, on Scottish volleyball TV, I, I leaned heavily into the, into my, my contacts to come along and say so. Probably too many name check. I would say that um, there's a guy Jim Wright who was the first guy at Surigatsi who really got me in going there. Uh, I would be doing him a disservice if I didn't say Brian McDougall from uh, Glasgow Mets and Blantyre Brannock. He, uh, he really got my passion going again when I left Surigatze. Um, and then, you know, there's a lot of friends that I've got there through there, but there's a couple there. Uh, Nick Moody, Tommy Downs, um, you know, guys like guy Steve, Steve Florio was a big, big driver as well when I went out to America. He's also he's like one of my best mates, almost like my brother. So. Aye, there's a fair few folk from the volleyball world that have mm-hmm. given me bigger influences. It's quite, it's quite a hard question that to pinpoint one or two, isn't it? Like, you've got, it's just so much through throughout your life, I suppose, isn't it? To, to difficult. Maybe we should re, we should reword that that one, Clark, a bit, so we can. Ah, listen, a bit easier. I was on that subject, so. Aye. no, no, brilliant. Um, finally, you kind of alluded to this earlier, but just to finish us off, then, what would your top three tips be? to give a teacher just now to help them get better at teaching volleyball? Yeah. Love it. Teach it. Brilliant. I can't 
can't put it any other way. Play the game, love the game, and then teach it. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't I don't know if any of you guys have ever been, but the uh, the Scottish Open tournament at uh, at Perth. Um, it's How are you camp out in that? Yeah, I was going to go when oh, I was at uni, and I was gutted that I missed it. Do you know that? I missed it. As that's well. that's. Lewis, I'm going to say this to you right now, that's possibly the worst mistake you ever made. <laughs> is there a chance to do it again? Like, uh, when, it's, it's, been, it's been two years now cancelled with COVID and uh, it's been it's a humongous uh, source of fun for the teaching fraternity. Mm-hmm. Uh, years and years and years of PE alumni and uh, people go there uh, I wouldn't, I would, <laughs> big, uh, big Ali Bleach, uh, I, hope, <laughs> I hope he's listening, uh, every year I enjoy getting together with people that I know through the PE departments across Scotland, having a good conversation, a few beverages, a little fun, uh, a little fun, a bit of volleyball, a bit of banter around a campfire, a wee bit of uh, socialising outside. It's a phenomenal place to fall in love with volleyball, mm-hmm. away from the pressures of teaching, away from the eyes of students, unless they are, in fact, members of local clubs and they come up and catch you out on the, uh, the sesh. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> the volleyball sesh. The volleyball sesh. <laughs> uh, there's, no, there's no escaping it. Uh, there's no escaping it. But what happens in Perth is just it's an incredible environment Aye. for teachers, for us. What happens Perth stays in Perth? <laughs> well, uh, That's yeah. It. Does <laughs> it? <laughs> yeah. If you fall in love with it, if you play it, you fall in love with it. You'll teach it. Uh, you'll yeah. teach it. Uh, obviously, we've uh, at Scottish volleyball. We're you're committed to working with anybody who has an in- interest in volleyball and wants to get involved. So um, through our website, uh, uh, scottishvolleyball.org, you'll find all the information about us, uh, our staff, how to get involved. Um, and and let us say we're we're a very open governing body who are not looking to finance the world league. We're just looking to get a little bit uh, in terms of membership and return for our, our time and expertise. Mm-hmm. Brilliant. Well, Andy, it was an absolute pleasure to have you on to the Abbey Bit of Everything podcast tonight to share your experience and your absolute passion for the sport of volleyball. I've taken pages and notes there for for things that i'm going to um, be taking back into to my own teaching so i just want to say thanks from the both of us for coming on and, and giving up your time tonight to, to share it with us no worries guys no worries eh? yeah, I, a little bit of everything it certainly was that's for sure it was good to see you again and hopefully meet you soon hi clark listen it's been a long time it's been a long time since uh, we've been out and we've seen each other and been, been face to face i think for me that's one of the, the great things that's that's kind of happening schools are coming back Aye. You're getting back, and you know the connections and friendships that we've made across PE, across sport, are are slowly but surely coming back together. So I'm excited for that, and I, I guess you guys are excited for for you know the way that things are getting back to uh, absolutely regular moments. Delighted to be part of the podcast, fellas. Thanks for having me. No problem. Well, Clark, that brings us to the end of episode 77 of the Obo podcast with Andy Fleming, who is the natu- national, natural, <laughs> national coaching and club manager at Volleyball Scotland. 
sharing his insights, experience, and his absolute wealth of knowledge on the sport of volleyball. Don't know about you, but um, certainly for my teaching, I took absolutely tons of nuggets away from that to to um, to try and implement into my, my own teaching, which I, I can't wait. And it's, it was a, it was great just to pick his brains about something that I'm obviously teaching quite a lot of at school. And mm-hmm. um, it was good to see that some of the things that I'm doing um, is on the right lines and maybe some of the things that I could be doing with changing and making a wee bit better. So it was good to get that refresher. I feel Absolutely. like... We're always we're always learning and evolving and growing, and yeah. I think the, this podcast definitely brought um, a lot of practical insights and in how we can adapt our practice and make it better for for everyone involved. But um, uh-huh. what was you going to say there? Uh, that's went on my head. You know, memory blank. Well, yeah. hopefully it comes back into your head when you're going through your takeaway messages. So I'll let you kick us off tonight. And what's your what's your main takes standout takeaway message from tonight's episode? Uh, I would go along with the, the three, the mantra, the kind of movement, thinking, and, and cooperation. I always always thought about movement and thinking, but I never really thought as much on the cooperation side, even though it is one of the uh, personal qualities in the benchmarks. I suppose it's um, teamwork. So I think for a successful volleyball rally and a successful bo- volleyball modified game or full game, it was, you would need to cooperate well with others. So I think that needs to be a massive focus when you're doing your practices and everyone, once you've had your shot, as he was saying, that's you out. You're 100% out and you can't touch again. So yeah. emphasising that point, that's something I would be addressing when I go back into the, the game. So would be that years, you have to bail each other out and you have to cover each other and move for each other. Or uh-huh. it's, it's not going to work. If you just stick in your same space, then uh, the other team is going to try and play it away from you. And that's the aim, is to play it as far away from you as possible. So you need to move to get under the ball. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think still on this, the same lines of the movement, thinking and cooperation, if you don't really hammer that home at the start, that's in my experience of teaching volleyball, that's where the, the problems arise and the challenges that you've got to try and overcome later down the line um, once I've maybe picked up bad habits or whatever. So that's things that you should, that would make your life a, a lot easier if, if you really hammered them home well at the start and repetition like we can be speaking to. And I, I like the, the point about especially when playing volleyball there's no Messi's or Ronaldo's that was an absolute great um, wee insight because you can be the best volleyball player in the world but if your team aren't moving thinking or cooperating then you can't carry your team in volleyball because if I use my touch and then someone doesn't move to the ball then your team ultimately loses a point so I think that's a great wee take home message and something that you can be be using within your classes as well cannot agree more with you honestly Um, anything else then before we wrap this yeah, I, I, just, just the last wee thing is it, it doesn't need to be perfect. It doesn't need to look absolutely all singing, all dancing. It can be messy. It can be that kind of organised chaos. I messy? Think, uh, I thought you said messy. Wasn't oh. <laughs> Wait, good one. No, that, that was, is, that, is that the only one you got me the night? Um, but uh, it's that kind of organised chaos. It doesn't need to be absolutely perfect and regimented with the, the drills and stuff that you're doing. It can be, um, balls can be going all over the place and Again, it's just kind of letting the pupils explore the different movements involved in it and generating that excitement. Give them a ball, get them spiking it off the wall. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So, um, I really enjoyed that one tonight. and It was good to to pick his brains and really get some some good quality answers from him. I think that was about an hour and a half long, that one. So. No, it was. It went on for a bit, but as you said, they've got loads of practical stuff that you can go and uh, implement. Either That's a challenge. Is to, can you 
take what you're learning for the, the podcast and implement it into your teaching. Mm-hmm. Can you? I don't so, know about you, but I'll certainly try. <laughs> that's a, doesn't mean absolutely everything, but just try and, I'm, I'm going to just try and pick one or two things and, and take it in. Teaching volleyball tomorrow, so just take one or two of the wee things that I've, I've learned from tonight. and Actionable, yeah, actionable and strategies. It's just different ways of putting across your information to the pupils to try and help them understand it, isn't it? Yeah, there's not a right or wrong way as well. It's just about finding out what's it, best for you and kids in front of you. There's no right or wrong way, there's just better or worse. I like this quote as well, actually. Just actually on that. Uh, good, good is enemy of great, and great is enemy of excellent. That was excellent. That leads us nicely to the end of episode number 77. So if you tuned in this week to this episode with Andy Fleming on all things volleyball, um, let us know what you thought about it. Hopefully you've taken something useful away from that that you can implement into your own teaching. Thanks again for joining us in this week's episode of the podcast. We hope you've been able to take something away that you can implement into your practice or life. If you regularly listen to the podcast, then why not leave us a review to let us know how we're doing and where we can perhaps improve. That way we can take action and further develop the Obo podcast. Until next time, we hope you have a fantastic week. Take care.